Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Welcome to starting a counseling practice podcast. We're going to be diving into step two of creating your perfect sustainable practice. Let's get organized and set your schedule. Today, we're talking all about making room to have that vision flourish that you created in step one. So let's dive in. For a lot of us, there is some limitations we have in our vision based on how we have been, you know, kind of raised in our work. And so sometimes our vision is very limited from our experiences in the past. And what we've found is that when you dive into the scheduling um, and actually looking at the, the hours involved and understanding more about what's involved, suddenly we can see like we we can see, oh, my my vision needs some tweaking mm-hmm. and massaging. Right. And so I think these two steps are very integrated where we have this vision, we look at the reality of it, and then we go back and we adjust the vision. And then we look at the reality of it until we find that flow state. I think too, when you're starting a private practice, you're also starting to learn more about yourself within this context. So maybe what you could get done in your agency job Mm -hmm. may take longer Mm -hmm. in private practice because Mm -hmm. you are the one providing the container, the structure. And so it can take more time or you before in a job were told, this is how you do it. And so Mm -hmm. you had to twist yourself into doing something that way or Mm -hmm. a schedule in a certain way. And now it's wide open for you to figure (laughs) out what works for your brain, your circumstance. And that even comes down to, oh, I have this vision, how to make that happen. And we can start to apply what we were brought up with, like you said, and it may not work for us. And the more we start to uncover those those places where it feels sticky and it's not Mm. comfortable and it doesn't feel flowing, the more you can continue to go back and forth like a dance, you know, of the, the two, and you're going to be discovering stuff about yourself because people will come to us and say, well, how long does it take to get started? (laughs) Well, that depends on you and your circumstance, how your brain works, what your energy is like, your health is like, it's, it's different for everybody. Yeah. Do you already have four jobs? It might take you a little (laughs) bit longer. Totally. And I think that the other piece too, a lot of times people, as they're setting their schedule and they're looking at how much time it's going to take on a weekly basis, what that looks like. Most people come in from an agency and they say, 30 clients a week is, is full-time for me now, because I saw 35 at the, um, at the agency that I was a part of. And the idea of only seeing 30 clients a week feels kind of spacious. Oh, right. <laughs> but, and that obviously that's some undoing that's some, like, you know, people are burnt out and they don't even know what they don't know, but also there's this space of in private practice, you're taking the money you're doing the scheduling, you're doing the reschedule. If you're sick, often you're that person. Um, There's nobody else to uh, vacuum the floor or (laughs) clean the toilet or unplunge it. All of these things that 
you know, the bookkeeping, the payroll, all of the, all of the pieces are all kind of put onto you. Right. And so if you simply say, you know what, this is the amount of clients that I could see in this amount of time. And you just shift that over to private practice and think that's going to solve it. It's really not. And so part of this second step is really getting clear on as a business owner, what are kind of the tasks I need to make space for. Mm -hmm. And also as someone who's probably healing from some funky things in previous employment, how much space do I need to kind of undo um, all the oppressive learning that I've experienced so that I could really truly be fully present with clients and get and be a part of them having their best experience in this work. So one of the first steps we talk about is looking at your current schedule. Mm -hmm. Is it working for you? Is there room to start a private practice? We believe you can start a private practice if you have another job. Mm -hmm. The pace at which you start will look different than someone who does not have another job. It's a matter of, are you okay with that? Can you afford to take that risk? For some of us, it's a privilege to be able to quit our jobs and start a private practice. Other people do not have that privilege. So whatever your schedule is, no judgment about it. It's really laying it out and saying, where can I make room to have a practice without sacrificing my sanity, my health, and my relationships? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that place of even realizing like, this is a place to take comparison out of it because you may have a friend who is doing this and they just, it it seemed like, right? Oh, they started it in a weekend. And you're like, wait, why is it taking me months? But you have three kids at home or you're taking care of a family member or you've had some major crises happen. So we can't compare apples to apples. And we also don't know, some of us have a very, like I have a very, build it as it's, as it's being walked on kind of way of doing things. Um, like I'm very much like, okay, I'm going to figure out my website and then I'll get my paperwork done when I schedule my first client so I can get it sent over to them. Oh, that is not me. No, that is not you. <laughs> right. I can, I can sit with that kind of uncertainty. Right. Um, in a lot, in a bigger way. And there's pros and cons to that. Like there's parts of that that were really messy and parts of that allowed me to start more quickly. Right. But you are not that way. Like you really needed to explore all the ins and outs before you'd feel right. comfortable getting on the phone with someone. I will say now, if I were to start a private practice now, I'm a different person than that person. Then that person then was in a situation of make it, break it kind of this has to work or we are changing careers. Then it was, this has to work or um, like when I went into full time, I needed to do it within my maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, or so I thought, you know, I, I put, that was my choice, that kind of pressure. Um, so I think my approach would be a little bit more kind of how you are now. Mm. Maybe you've rubbed off on me, but, um, <laughs> and I, you've rubbed off on me. <laughs> like I would do a lot more math. Right. Um, I would do a lot more right. like putting some things in right. place than I would have. 15 years ago. When you are starting your private practice, you want to look at your current schedule. What can it be? Some people actually do end up talking to their employer to see if they can reduce hours by maybe 
four, six, eight, sometimes even going to part-time. That might be an option for you, but really looking at, okay, what is this first version straight out of the gate? How many clients could I really see and still be okay? That's how much time you have to give to the practice. Usually we say, yeah. And I would even say a lot of times people will say, well, I'm just going to work Saturdays and Sundays until I get this off the ground. And they'll create a schedule where their goal is as soon as I get up to 25 clients or, and, and Kelly's like, you know, wincing as I'm saying this, but this is not an uncommon thing. No, we, we, heard we hear these stories. That as soon as I get up to 25 clients and I can quit my regular job and then that's when I can transition. And then they create a dynamic where like physiologically, emotionally, spiritually, they can never get up to 25 clients. And, and the way they they set up their finances, which we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks, they'll set up their finances where they're just stuck because right. they can't get up to the 25 clients they need to, to financially be able to move. And emotionally and like energetically, they can't get up to those 25 clients because they're a human, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you yeah. can't do it. Or maybe they do get up to them amount and then they're still scared to leave because mm-hmm. they see themselves letting go of some sort of income. Mm-hmm. They've acclimated their spending and everything to having two jobs and then to change it feels really scary. So I yeah. think when you're looking at the schedule and saying, okay, for right now I can see eight. And then when I quit my job, then I can do 20 or whatever mm-hmm. that number is. Eventually you can see when we get to the math part later on that you need to quit your job in order to really get, there's going to be this squeeze period. We call it the bridging the gap, so to speak, but looking at your schedule now, what is it that you can give to it? And until you fill those slots with clients, you can fill that time with building the business and marketing. Yeah. And if you realize, oh, I don't have two hours to give to clients and, or to the other, or to building my business, then that tells you that there's a step that needs to happen before you can start the private practice. There's not this like magical moment when again, somehow, and and some people do, right. They're, they're working 15 or 20 hours a day, um, starting Mm -hmm. a private practice. And I think in, in like the general entrepreneur world, like there's this whole hustle culture that we can kind of take into what we're doing in private practice, Mm -hmm. but it's one thing to hustle when you're like selling widgets. It's another thing to hustle when like you have a human being in front of you that you are not fully present and you're watching the clock or you're kind of feeling Mm -hmm. like you can't remember what happened in the session or Mm -hmm. you're not fully present. I agree. I think, look. It's a great test before you even see clients to set that new schedule, work it as if you were seeing clients and instead work on the the stuff that you need to in order to create your business Mm -hmm. and do a check-in every week. How did that feel? Am I overwhelmed? Was that too much? Did I go over the hours that I gave myself? Why did I go over those hours? Is it out of guilt, shame, or honestly, it's exciting. It's like, it's like finding a new dating partner, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) you want to get to know them. You want to spend all your time with them. They're Mm -hmm. so much fun, but then then you, you sacrifice your sleep and then you're tired and then you can't really enjoy them because you're so exhausted, Mm -hmm. you know, um, And while that's all great, if you can start to find your pacing before you even throw in the energy that it's going to take to attune, I think you'll, that's something I wish I had done. 
yeah. back in the day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I start, and, and again, I think we can, I think it can be helpful to hear this, but like when I started my private practice, I was breastfeeding. I had a small child. Oh gosh, and so stories of my, Me too. my, um, my private practice was built during my child's nap time. So he took a nap twice a day for like an hour or two. And so I would be on my laptop doing these things. And he did was not sleep. He did not sleep through the night for years. Mm-hmm. But let me be super clear. Like it wasn't like I was well rested in this moment. And then at a certain point I was, and then I would go when my spouse got off of work, then I would go and see sessions and I would come back and I could see as many people as I could hold milk basically between pumps. before between well I Feedings. would come back mm-hmm. yeah because I couldn't I couldn't even pump because yes. it would I would have overproduction so and it, this sounds I'm saying that to tell you like sometimes you have medical issues like I had medical limitations yeah. like sometimes that can be because of your child sometimes that could be because of your back because of your body like we have to really be exploring into what does this really take? And even as you're starting from scratch and you're thinking about what you can really um, do while while you're getting started in terms of how many clients you can see, there's going to be this mix between working in your business versus make working on your business. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the tasks that are not client related <laughs> that we need to make time for mm-hmm. that, um, that often we leave out and then we end up feeling spread really thin, or we feel like we're dropping the ball because we didn't realize all these other tasks that we need to make space for. I know people are going to expect to say marketing right away, but I first want to talk about money. Ah, yeah. Reviewing the numbers, Mm -hmm. at least monthly, reconciling uh, your profit and loss statements to make sure. And we're not saying just check. Reconciling means you look at your statements from the bank and you compare them to what your uh, bookkeeping software says, because it's not always accurate to make sure everything lines up and all money is accounted for, understanding cash flow, taking mm-hmm. time to really lean into the numbers. Um, so that is something we recommend at least monthly you have time for. Mm-hmm. Some people like to do it weekly, but if you're really anxious, that might actually be more detrimental. <laughs> um, you've got to, again, know yourself. Yeah. On that one. Well, I think it's funny too, for some people who are really anxious, they actually look at it as like a systematic desensitization. They'll do yeah. it every day until that starts to like resolve mm-hmm. there. Um, but there's also a lot of like logistics, like you have to make sure all your licensing, not just your clinical license, your CEs, your business license, your liability insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Making sure that you've created some room for doing certifications and also for like really looking at what's happening with your business, there's a lot that you don't know as you're getting started. And so if you just leave your business, what you envision on day one, three years from now, you're going to be like, this is not a good business. Right. Like th- there's going to be adjustments and things that you understand and, and look at that we have to shift. And then of course, really important taxes, like leaving time and space for even calculating your taxes for understanding how taxes work. And we'll, we'll talk about this more in a couple of weeks when we talk about money in terms of making sure your fees are appropriate, but even that space of like, have I set up my calendar so that there's a reminder a week before when taxes, quarterly taxes are due, Mm -hmm. because once your business actually starts getting income. Let's say you started and 
it was just amazing. And it was full overnight. Then we have to, then you, you're going to have to have quarterly taxes. So it's not like, oh, tax is April 15th. You have four times a year that you need to do taxes. And if you decide to do a corporation, then you have a whole nother date. That's a different date than yeah. the April 15th. On top of that, you have your ongoing clinical training. And I, I sometimes like to encourage people to pull off the gas when it comes to mm. clinical training and these initial years of building your business, that's clinical training in and of itself. Yes. Um, and, but there are CEUs you have to keep on top of. There are, maybe you're in the middle of certification that you're really trying to manage. So are you making time? Even if you're not doing clinical training, when you start seeing clients, you may need supervision or case consultation. There may be a book or something that you're reading to integrate some of the work that you've learned into Mm -hmm. your session. So you want to be sure you have time weekly, monthly to go over that kind of clinical growth and making sure that you have time to tend to it. Yeah. And I think too, that's, that's a piece of a lot of us when we were in agencies or nonprofits, the idea of doing outcomes work, you know, mm-hmm. tra- tracking clinical outcomes, um, the time that it took was, was miserable. Mm-hmm. And like, we never saw that it did anything. It wasn't mm-hmm. particularly helpful in this kind of work. It's really powerful to dig into your clinical outcomes mm-hmm. and to have some space to like explore it, to sit with it, to make some decisions regarding it, to adjust your business processes or your marketing based on that feedback is, is really important. How nice. I mean, when you just say it, you can't see Miranda, but she like moves her body when she's talking, (laughs) but it feels so luxurious in some ways of like, what would it be like to already bake in time? to Mm -hmm. nurture yourself clinically. So you don't feel rushed. Like how lovely, what would that do for your confidence? What would that do for your relationship with your client? Like, why do we have to wait till the practice is full to do that when you could start doing that now? And I think this is, this also ties into this idea of making sure that there's time to manage the logistics in terms of the documentation of your practice. We'll, We'll be talking about documentation more when we get into processes, but Having that space to know, oh, this is how long it's going to take me to put a new client into my paperless Mm -hmm. office. Here's what I need to do to set up and look at the calendar. Hey, I I need to look at my schedule and how everything is tying in to give yourself even an hour a week to make sure that everything is flowing in terms of your calendar and in terms of how your paperless office is working. I see a lot of people who are really angry at their paperless office. And I'm talking about like a practice management system. This is where your documentation would be stored. Treatment plans would be stored. They often do reminders for people. It can be a scheduling, it can be all these different things. They'll get really angry that the software, like it's too hard to work. I don't understand. And sometimes they're really terrible. Sometimes they don't work. But often what I found is that when we are overwhelmed, when we're stressed and we're trying to do things in like two or five minutes, there's not enough space for us to learn the tool. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we end up throwing the, that's a terrible 
analogy of the baby out with the bathwater. Um, I'm sure there's a better way, right? I, I'm throwing the pasta out with the pasta water. Um, I, I think <laughs> I like I, I'm trying to work on my languaging. Like, where do these things come from? Yeah, we right? Like, like, we'll go Google that after. Yeah. Um, let's let's. Throw, I don't want to throw out the pasta with the pasta water. Like, I want to keep it all in. And I really want to have some time and space to make sure that my tools are working really well for me and that they're in flow and that I don't feel stressed and anxious about what is running my business because my paperless office or my practice management system, sometimes you'll hear them referred to as an EHR, an electronic health record. This is your digital virtual assistant. This is your digital receptionist. This is for the 70 or hundred dollars a month that you, that you spend, if you're a solo practice, this is less than you could ever pay any college student to come in and do all the tasks that it's going to automate for yeah. you. So when we look at, okay, you have your schedule, but we also want to consider what tools can free up more time. And the electronic health record is one of those tools. Initially, you are always going to need more time in the beginning of mm-hmm. something. And then as you master that tool, it ends up paying it for itself and the time that it saves you and the ease that it creates for your clients, which also impacts the attunement and retention with your clients. So your electronic health record is one of those investments we recommend from the start. Don't get a file cabinet and say, Mm -hmm. I'll get electronic health record a year from now. Do it now to start saving you time. Usually when people start, they They don't have the budget to outsource a lot of things yet, Mm -hmm. but this is one area that we feel pretty strong about that an electronic health record can help you as well as like, for example, Marina was talking about calendars, right? Your electronic health record may have a calendar, but you may also have a Google Cal or something Mm -hmm. like that. And you want to make sure everything's talking to each other. That will save you time and energy, reduce double booking um, errors and things like that. So there are tools that free up the schedule as well. Yeah. So next time, right, we've, we let's just review what we've talked about. Really looking at what is happening in your life. And, and I don't, actually, I don't think we said this. As you get ready to start your private practice, you may realize that your life as it stands right now, more than just your work life, your personal life may need some adjustment. Yeah. You need, you may need to say no to tasks or to things that you've been volunteering. Maybe you're pulling back on hobbies during this middle time place. Maybe you've realized, oh, I'm spending 20 hours a week on TikTok. Um, and that's not super helpful. Like, what if I was to, to wean myself off of TikTok and use that 20 hours towards my private practice, whatever that looks like, that we have to make some adjustments on that. Then we have to look at our professional life and see what that looks like. And then from there, we set the schedule. What is going to be my weekly work schedule? And from that, we get an idea of the amount of time that we'll work in it, meaning clinical hours and the amount of time we'll work on it meaning the tasks of the business. And initially everything will be on it. Like we'll (laughs) still use all those hours, but we'll do all of the tasks we need to do to set a solid foundation for our business. Mm -hmm. And then as those schedules get full, um, then we'll start to move and flow. And actually I have a little tip on that. This is a hot tip, super hot tip. Coming in hot. This is coming in hot. This is important. 
when, even though let's say you have eight hours a week and you have all this flexibility during that time. And you may think like, oh, I can see you. I have two hours a day. Like I can see you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What works for you? Oh, I could see you at this time or that time. What works for you? Take ownership of your schedule from the beginning. Having clients haphazardly every two hours, like with two hour breaks or one client every single day is not going to give you the, the space you need to work on the business. So really focus on filling up one day at a time. Yeah. So here's this one day and here's this one block. And even though you have this other day, we're not going to fill that until this other one is filled. And then we can kind of move from there, especially if you have these very short blocks, because if you, let's say you do have eight, eight sessions, but you're doing four sessions on four different days, you're probably not going to get much done in those other four hours. It depends on your brain, right? The context switching may be more exhausting if you're doing one hour with a 30 minute break and then another hour clinical work. It might be really inefficient for you. Other people, we do have clients. We're not saying breaks between session are useless. We have clients who say that physically it's best for them to have a 30 minute break, but they know that they're not going to work on their business during that time. So I, I, yeah, I'm glad you, you brought that up. So we're looking at that schedule working in, in the business and on the business, and then looking at those monthly tasks, finances, marketing, those kinds of things that need to fit in there and the working on category and utilizing tools like an electronic health record, your email and calendar to free up time and make things easier as we move into processes in a few weeks. Yes. So next time we're going to go into frequently asked questions about this time and scheduling. And then we're going to share a little coaching session of somebody who's struggling in this area and Mm. who's being vulnerable and sharing what they're learning. And you could be able to kind of be there for the process of seeing someone have their aha moment. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope today you got some real clarity on your schedule and where this is going to fit into your life to create something really lovely and sustainable that has a big impact on clients. If you are needing more support in your private practice, we would love for you to check out our business school for therapists. It has everything you need from starting to growing your practice. So go to zinnime.com forward slash pod to get more details. See you next time. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.